Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's uh, uh, his disciples, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. We're seeing Jesus at the bottom. Did you know Jesus had a bottom? Did you know Jesus was broken? Did you know that Jesus had some distressing, depressing, emotional circumstance lying ahead of him? He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I want you to know today that your soul can be sorrowful, but you don't have to be. I said, your soul can be sorrowful. That's your mind, that's your will, that's your emotions. But you don't have to be dictated by that. Because we're about to learn that even in the bottom, he did not allow his emotions to dictate his decisions. Tweet that. Your emotions don't dictate your decisions. Come on, we're going to get somewhere today because... Uh, The thing that I've learned in my life, and especially through this process, is if you don't feel like quitting, you're not trying hard enough. Progress will always bring you to conflict. Progress will always bring you to confront something. If you want to move anywhere in life, if you want to move forward in anywhere of your life, you will face conflict. You will have to confront something. And your ability to handle the conflict and confront the thing that needs to be confronted will determine how far you go. I've learned that progress is a process. I've found out that it does not happen overnight. And in a a world... I'm tired of it being labeled to a specific generation, although I know we have a generation that's coming up with the mentality and a mindset. I know some adults that live enabled and entitled. Hello? It's not just stuck to the 18 to 33-year-olds. It's not just stuck to the 18 and unders. I've known some adults that if they don't get their way initially, if they don't, they have no idea how to push past problems in their life. We, the statistics proven, they show that we are the, the, we are the worst at problem solving because we have so many other avenues we can go to. If it doesn't work here, we can abandon it and go down another road. And we're so afraid of showing uh, uh, what, what hurt looks like. And we're so afraid of showing what, what problem solving looks like. And we're so, so hindered and, 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 and we resist so hard uh, the, uh, even the image of I'm going through something. Even just this morning, is my wife in here? She's in the back. So you can tell her I didn't say anything horrible. We're recording this, right? But even this morning, she was telling me about something that would, would, would make something look better out there. And I said, you know what? We want to be excellent. And, and we want to do, have, have the best presentation possible. Like even last night, we were debating, do we, do we wrap the front of this back up? And I said, you know what? We, we can wrap it. It's already there. You're not having to see it. We're still working on finishing out all of this uh, stage and everything. And, and rather than you just seeing right through the bones of this stage and everything that's going on under here, we said, you know what? We'll just go ahead and wrap it. But there, there comes 
a balance that we have to gauge where we put on this presentation that's all flawless on the outside and, and we reveal no hurt and we reveal no pain and we reveal that there's no work going on and what, what is hindered is somebody else being able to help you. Even yesterday, uh, Chris pointed out that there were some ceiling tiles missing right above our entryway because we had to uh, do a whole new frame there to get that glass and that's been the biggest debacle of my life. And, and so there's ceiling tiles missing. You can see right up to the roof. And he said, we need to get this fixed. We need to get sick. I said, it's okay for people to see that we're in the middle of progress. And if you leave church because there's ceiling tiles missing, then you don't need to be here anyway, because we're all works in progress. And if you think you're sitting next to someone that's got it all figured out and got it all together and, and we just put on this flawless appearance because we walk into church with our little Sunday smiles. Jesus is sorrowful. He is broken. He's emotional. And you can have emotion without being led by it. We're all works in progress. This building is just a representation of every life that's sitting in these chairs right now. Because last week there wasn't any carpet. And this week we decided we're going to put carpet. And last week you were, you were still cussing. And this week you're working on not cussing. We're all works in progress. And God doesn't love sin. God hates it. But he wants you to work on it. Not hide it. He didn't bring grace in our lives to hide it and cover it up. He brought grace in our life to get rid of it. But you got to confront it and you got to work on it. It doesn't change until you get in front of it and you do something about it. And we can walk in this place and we can point out everything that's wrong with it and everything that we're trying to put together. And Or we can sit down and say, you know what? Let's just figure it out. Let's put it together. But you know what? It's okay if we don't have it all together just yet. They will see it different next week. And I hope that your life will walk back in these doors next Sunday and somebody will see something different next week. This isn't the holier than thou church. This is the holy church. He's called us to be holy. He's called us, to, called us to be spotless. And if you have no intention of working to become holy and working on your mess and working on your stuff, you won't find yourself here very long. Because at some point it's going to get confronted. And at some point you're going to recognize if I'm going anywhere where God wants me to go, I'm going to have to start working on some stuff. But I acknowledge that it's there first. I acknowledge that it's, I think, I think the circles that I ran with, and I think the, 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 the uh, sometimes uh, the, 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 the way I grew up and, and the surroundings I had in church were some of the most harmful because we have this appearance without the presence. And we've got to be a church that can recognize there's stuff that we're working on and there's stuff that's not all there, but we're going to get there. And we're going to encourage each other to get there. And we're not going to get stuck on the how. We're going to remember the why. I don't care how you get there, but we're going to get there. And I will remember why. He said that his soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, 
but as you will. I, I find it interesting that in, in the amazing life that Jesus uh, led on this earth, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the preaching with authority, the boldness, uh, uh, everything he did, selecting disciples, and, and all the powerful things he demonstrated, his whole ministry hinged on this one verse. The whole reason he came hinged on this one verse. If he doesn't follow through with this, it's all in vain. Lest the Lord build it, they labor in vain. You've got to recognize that his will demands your obedience. His will demands your obedience. And everything that Jesus did in honoring his father, you know, it, it's amazing that even through progress and even when we've come so far and even when we see him do so many mighty things in our life, there will always come a point where it will hinge on your obedience. I, I, I've seen ministers, I've seen ministers fall and fail in ministry and in leadership. And they had mighty ministries and God did wonderful things. And they led many into the kingdom. And many miracles and signs and wonders were, were evident. And then even in the natural, they built great ministries and buildings. And, and, and they were doing outreach and world missions and had everything going, on, going together. And then, boom, one decision ripped everything from them. Your, your life is made up of many decisions along the way. Your life is made up. Some of you are in the middle of decisions right now, decision-making. The ability to make a clear and concise decision. The ability to, to see the whole picture and make the right choice. Some of you have some major life choices in front of you. I don't know that personally, but I know that there are people in this room, you've got some major decisions. And I'm not just talking about, you know, just casual. I know you've got real decisions. Do I stay or do I go? Do I keep pursuing this relationship or do I cut it off? I'm telling you, there are, there are real decisions that you're making. I can see your brains moving right now. It's, you know what that is. And his will, we want God's will, right? Everybody in here want God's will? Demands our obedience. God's will always comes with the decision for you to make. There's always a choice. There's always a choice that you'll have to make. There's always a decision that's placed in front of you. He will not do it for you. He said, let this cup pass from me. There's a cup sitting in front. And I don't know what your cup is today. I don't know what your cup is that's, that, that's sitting in front of you. And, and, and you might even be saying, let it pass. But there's got to be a decision that's even greater than that. Not my will, your will. Not my desires, your desires. You know, sometimes, and this is what I was getting to with my wife, was sometimes we move too quick to get to the end result. What's the end result? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Most of the church doesn't even know why Jesus died on the cross, to be honest with you. We've completely misrepresented his death and his resurrection. 
He died on the cross not to get you somewhere, but so that you could bring something here. You could bring somewhere here. He had to die on your. He had to die on the cross for your sins. He had to remove sin because sin and God cannot inhabit the same being, the same vessel. So the very thing that God hated most was living inside of the thing that God loved the most. And sin ended up in man. Therefore, God had to remove his spirit. And the only way you can operate in this earth is with his spirit operating and working through you. If you don't have the spirit of God working through your life, you are ineffective for the kingdom of God, period, flat. There are no, there is no further conversation. If you don't have the Holy Spirit working in and through your life, you are not doing anything for the kingdom. You're doing your own agenda. You're doing your own plan. You've got to have the spirit in Genesis chapter 6. God had to remove his spirit from the earth, from man. There's no, if you're not interested in his things, then why is he going to give you his spirit? So for his spirit to reside back in man, see, the reason why your sins had to be removed so his spirit could be placed back in you. It really has nothing to do with heaven. It really has nothing to do with where do you go? And that's the question that we ask. If you died today, do you know where you would go? This is a good question. It's not the best. It's close. So you're telling me that I'm going to make a decision a decision today, and for the rest of my life until I kick the bucket, hit the grave, end up six feet under, that, that I don't even get to achieve the, the results and the benefits of that decision? That's not the God. That, that's not what his word says. Thank God I get to go to heaven when I die. Great. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to go to heaven. Because there's nothing for me to do there. I'm in charge here. I said, I'm in charge here. I'm in control here. I'm king here. I can't be king there. There's already a king in heaven. There's already a ruler in heaven. But he said that he created man in his image, in his likeness, placed them on the earth to govern it, to control it, to rule it. Go back and read it. It's in there. I'm not making this stuff up. So now I don't have to pray to God to ask him to do something about it. I can say, God, what's your will? Okay, got it. And then I can go do it. You know, Jesus wasn't on his hands and knees praying for people. He's praying for God's will. He's praying for his plan, his will, his agenda. God, what do you want to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Discerning God's will. Why? In the earth. Because that's why I'm here. I'm on this planet. Not to just fly by and not to just be pushed around by everything. Next time a hurricane comes through, speak to the hurricane. Tell the hurricane to go. Talk to it. Next time sickness comes onto your body, talk to the sickness. You cannot stay in my body. I am the child of the living God. He took stripes on his back, and by his stripes, I am healed. Sickness, go in the name of Jesus. And it goes. A lot of Christians don't like that, and I don't know why. It's like Brother Hagin said, if you, don't, if you don't believe it, that's fine. You can stay sick. I just choose to be healed. My gosh. We are rejecting and resisting the very thing that he came to give us. Life and life more abundantly. 
more abundantly, more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, above all you can ask or think. That's the God I serve. Not subpar, not barely making it, not 75 out of 100. He gave me life more abundantly. And so Jesus in this, this garden is, is faced with a decision. And, and transitions come with decisions. Progress always comes with the decision. But, but here's another thing I've found out. Decisions come with distractions. Decisions. All of a sudden, you've got to make a decision, the most pressing, difficult decision of your life. And all of a sudden, you've got more distraction in your life than you ever had. Why can't I see clearly? Why can't I gain clarity? Why am I having to make this decision amidst all this clutter? Why is the, why is the water? It should be easy for me. I need to know. I need to know clearly, 100%, this is the right decision to make. Because my progress is hinged on it. And now when I need to make a decision, all of a sudden there comes distraction. You know, one thing I've learned about the enemy is if he can't keep, if he can't stop you, he'll keep you from, if he can't take you back, he'll keep you from moving forward. If he can't take you back, he'll keep you from moving forward. I, I saw a quote this past week that said, uh, if, if the enemy can't keep you from experiencing victory, he will stop you from celebrating it. See, he may not get you to backslide, but he can keep you from making any progress. He'll distract you. He's cunning, the Bible said. He's tricky. Sneaky. When Eve had to make a decision, do I eat or do I not? Simple decision. Should have been clearly understood. But then cloudiness shows up. You will become wise. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil. What's that? That's called distraction. See, he, he, couldn't, he, he couldn't take away. The enemy cannot touch your stuff. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. He cannot take your stuff, but he can get you to hand it over. He can't come in and take it, but he can get you to hand it over on a silver platter. Here you go. He couldn't take away their authority. He couldn't take away their ability to rule and reign on the earth and be everything that God had created Adam and Eve to be. But he could get them to hand it over by what? Disobeying, making the wrong choice. When I was growing up, they defined sin as missing the mark. Get you to miss the mark. Gets you to make the wrong decision when it's needed the most. And these decisions are paramount to our progress. Verse 39 again says, Oh, my Father, if it is possible. It's funny, the same man that said, With God, all things are possible, is now asking, Is it possible? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, you, you need to have a nevertheless. Not as I will, but as you will. 
You skip on down to verse 42. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. That's the same thing his mom said when that angel came to her. She said, you will give birth to a child and you will name him Jesus. He will be the son of God. And she said, what? Thy will be done. His will demands our obedience. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Progress is ugly. Working through stuff, walking through trials. and You know, I, I think sometimes we have misrepresented opposition. We've misrepresented pressure. We saw last week. Talked about buried alive. We talked about there's a treasure in the field, but you don't get the treasure without the field. And the very thing we're shoveling and picking up is the very thing that adds value to the treasure. Because if the treasure was sitting on top of the dirt, nobody would want it. But it's because the treasure is buried up under all the junk that I've got to get past the junk. And so that man, he didn't just go and sell all that he had to get the treasure. He sold all he had to he got so he could buy the field because the field added value. Your dirt adds value. The pressure, the opposition, the challenge, it only makes it that much greater. The harder the work, the greater the reward. And so in, in, in the church circles, we've misrepresented opposition. And we've misrepresented conflict. We've misrepresented what pressure really does in the life of a believer. Paul, speaking to Timothy, Paul's on his way out. Timothy's on his way in. And his great word of encouragement was, I fought the good fight. <laughs> That's what you want to hear going into ministry. I'm going to write a book when this is all said and done. I'm going to title it, What They Didn't Teach You in Bible School. The very thing you didn't sign up for is the very thing that's going to test you to determine whether you really want what you signed up for. Well, when I got married, I didn't sign up for this. Well, it's to determine how bad do you really want what you did sign up for. Well, I love this job, but I didn't realize I was going to have to work with that person. That's there to test to see how bad do you really want it. Everything in life has this. You wanted kids, but they will test you. You wanted to get married, but she will test you. And he will test you. You wanted the new vehicle, but you didn't want the car payment. There, there's, all, there's all kinds of things in life that will determine how bad do you really want it. And if we, every time we hit a wall, we just, oh, nope, not going there. Oh, nope, not going there. And every time we hit pressure and every time we hit conflict, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Now in those days, when the number of the, of the disciples was multiplying, yes, church growth. 
Man, we're just busting at the seams. The number, it didn't say adding, it said multiplying. We had 10 last week, and now we've got 100 this week. That's incredible. That's some major growth right there. That's something to be excited about, right? There arose a complaint. Oh. Growth in the church. Growth in the complaints. We want one without the other. How bad do you want it? Are we going to fight the good fight of faith? Are we going to see this thing through to the end? Yeah, there's an end result, but we've got to be careful trying to rush getting there. And there, there are times, there are times where you could do something to eliminate the pressure. But is that what God wants you to do? Because are we eliminating the very thing that God's trying to teach you, Abraham? I didn't say go and sleep with your maidservant. I said that I would give you and Sarah a child. And there's times where we can step in and we can help God in the process. Well, God must need my help move this thing forward a little bit. It's kind of kind of lacking here. This was 25 years ago. He said, we're going to have a kid still ain't seen nothing. He must need me to do so. And and we get out beyond. Why? Because his will means his way. Sometimes we want his will our way. Not going fast enough. It's not using the right people. And sometimes God will ask you, well, all the time, God will ask you to do something hard. Pressure. Conflict. He will ask you to ask someone for forgiveness that you, that they needed to be asking you for forgiveness. And you won't go anywhere further in your walk with the Lord and in what you're waiting for from God until you step out on that. This is how God works. This is what progress looks like in the kingdom of God. I love the fact that the birth of the church came at a time of the greatest conflict. The struggles and the conflict that the church has experienced today are nothing like they were in the book of Acts. And I believe that those days are coming again. We've we've got it too easy. When you historically understand what was going on in the book of Acts, that Paul was facing an empire. Not just the devil. The devil is bad enough. But now when you've got natural empirical authorities ready to take your head off, if you say one more word about the man that they already put to death. We thought we got rid of this guy. We found out by killing him only multiplied the numbers, only multiplied the problem. Well, we'll just keep killing them and we'll take out their wives and we'll take out their kids and we'll put them in jail and we'll beat them. And we will do whatever it takes to get this message off the planet. And they could not succeed. But sometimes the greatest pressure is what leads us to our greatest purpose. Sometimes the greatest pressure in our life 
is an indicator. Not that you're doing wrong, but that you're doing right. Like I said earlier, if you don't want to quit, you're not trying hard enough. We've all been in scenarios where we wanted to quit. We've all been in elements of our life where we wanted to just give up. We've all been, uh, it, it might have been working with an individual. It might have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, a job situation, a financial issue, uh, 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 even a health issue, whatever it is. There, w- there will be opportunities to quit. It's called the fight of faith. It's called the fight But that, that pressure and the test and the pushing is just an indicator that your miracle and his plan and his purpose is on the other side. His purpose is on the other side of the pressure. His purpose is on the other side of the pressure. And you'd be like Jesus. My soul is deeply distressed. There's just a lot of crying and there's a lot of hurting and a lot of pain. I don't know who this is for this morning, but there's, there's, there's a lot of the natural uh, emotions. But your soul can be distressed and you can still make the right decisions. I'm, I'm telling someone this today. Your soul can be distressed, but it does not have to dictate the next step does not have to dictate the progress. Growth, progress, movement. It, it, it's exciting. I was talking to another pastor friend of mine just a couple of weeks ago about all this going on. And he said, man, I bet you're excited. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. And, and he made up a word. I can't say it like he said, but he basically stuck exciting and exhausting together. I, I don't remember how he did it. I'm not even going to try to say it. I was trying to see if I could make it happen in my head real quick, and it, it's not working. So you can try it on your own. Exciting, exhausting, you figure it out. It's a little bit of both. It's exciting to see God move in our lives. It's exciting to see his plan unfold. Uh, sometimes it's just not exciting to see how he does it. But I want, you to, I want you to know today, it's not how, but it's why. It's not how, but it's why. It's not how he does it, but it's why he's doing it. Sure, we would love that there would be growth without the complaints. There would be the multiplying without the dissension. There would be the adding to of rejoicing without the adding to of sorrow. And we've got to learn, just as Jesus did, as we prepare for the most miraculous day the church has ever experienced. There's no resurrection without a cross. I'm telling you today, there's no resurrection. You can't bring back to life 
something that has not yet died. Worship team, if you'd come. The Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is given to us by God Himself. Jesus said that I will pray the Father and He will send you another. That means one just like. And He will give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And he gives the Holy Spirit a few descriptions. He says, number one, he'll be your guide. He'll be your guide. You, you need a guide to navigate somewhere you've never been. You need a guide to help you get somewhere you've never been. Crossing paths you've never walked before. New seasons. He'll be your guide. It's helpful to have a guide that's been there before, right? You don't want to go to Disney World with a guide that doesn't know anything about Disney World. I want, they need to know all about it. They need to tell me the history. Don't you get me lost on this thing now. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit, He knows the end from the beginning. The Holy Spirit has already been there. I don't know what the next three months looks like. The Holy Spirit does. And if you get your nose out of Facebook long enough to talk to the Holy Spirit, He'll show you. He'll show you. One thing I've learned about the Holy Spirit, He will not yell over our stuff. You got to get quiet to hear Him. Number two, He says He's the Spirit of truth. In, in making the right decisions, there's always distractions. One out of ten is the truth. What's the truth? We need the truth. And he's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. That means that's where truth comes from. Number three, it says that the Holy Spirit will be our comforter. But there's, there's a bad kind of comfort. There's a bad kind of comfort that will keep you somewhere. Oh, it's, just stay here a little longer. It's okay. No, the Holy Spirit's trying to urge us forward. But he'll comfort you in those times of pressure. Just like David. He said... When even his own people turned against him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you in your progress. Comfort you. When we are comforted, we make better decisions. When we are comforted, we, are, we make better decisions. Distress decisions are the worst decisions.
And when you're vulnerable, and when you're in a position where you're needing extreme clarity, comfort will help you make that right choice. And the last thing the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will do, number four, is he will teach us. I wonder what it is in this season that we need to learn. One thing I've learned is unteachable people cannot be taught. Israelites, when they were coming out of Egypt, moving into the promised land, they weren't teachable. Could you handle God doing a new thing? Many times we miss God doing a new thing because we want him to do it the way he's always done it. He healed several different people from blind men. and he, uh, blind men. He healed several different blind men. Did them all different. God isn't locked into one way. What could we learn? What is God trying to open us up to? I'm telling you, man, this is progress. There's two things that hinder progress, trying to get somewhere too quickly or deciding to not go anywhere at all. And trying to get somewhere too fast is just as damaging, just as dangerous as not moving forward at all. Trying to make decisions for God. What does progress really look like? What does it really look like? I want to encourage you today. You're progressing and you didn't even know it. Receive that today. You're making progress and it felt like you're going backwards at 100 miles an hour. And he's saying, nope, got you right where I want you. You're further along today than you were yesterday. And you're further along today than you were last month. And in three months, you're going to be further along than you are right now. It doesn't have to feel like it to be progress. It doesn't have to feel like progress to be progress. Because God's doing something that only He can do because you're doing what only you can do. All He needs you to do is just stay in the fight a little longer. All He needs you to do is stay on the path a little, run a little faster and push a little harder. All He needs you to do is stay in the game. I don't need you to accomplish all of it. I just need you to do your part. And if you'll get on your knees and you'll say, "Not, do not let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will, I'll do the rest. You'll be laying up in the grave. What am I really doing? But He's been working all along. Body's laying in a grave for three days. Everybody, um, that does not look like progress, let me tell you right now. That's not quite the victory plan that we would have in mind. Nailing something to a cross and putting it in the ground and saying bye and weeping and crying and having all kinds of pain. But God's doing something underneath the ground, inside the tomb. He's working inside that person's heart. And he's working it. He's working in your boss's life. And he's working in your finances. And he's making room for him to move. If you'll just stay in the game, run your race. 
someone told me this past week says, once you start, all you got to do is finish. That's all you got left. Just finish. Finish your race. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. I'm cheering you on today. I'm standing on the sideline saying it's right there. You're right there. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep running. Keep fighting. You got this. Don't give up now. We have a cloud of witnesses going before us. Saying you can do it. For the joy that is set before you. Some of you haven't laughed in three months. Some of you haven't laughed. You haven't had joy in your heart. Well, one, no wonder you're not strengthened. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to laugh. You need to scout. You need to praise Him. Proactive. Praise is not a response. Praise is not something to do after you get it. Praise is something to, that you do so you can get it. My gosh. I, 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 I hate seeing believers quit at the finish line. The grass is more withered at the finish line than it at the starting line than it is at the finish. More people start than they do finish. But he's not done with you yet. I said he's not done with you yet. And if he's not done, you're not done. If there's breath in your lungs, if there's movement in your legs, if you can lift your hands, if you can open your mouth, you're not done yet. You're still in the fight. Don't give up. Don't give up on that person. Don't give up on that job. Don't give up on that moment. Don't give up on that test. Don't give up in the midst of the pressure. I've fought the good fight. I've run my race. I stayed the course. Sometimes the greatest, the, the greatest, the greatest picture of progress is that you're still doing it. You're still, but but there's opposition, but there's conflict. Yeah, that means if you quit, there's no more conflict. The conflict is a sign you're still in the fight. You might be on the ropes, but you're still, you're still in there. thing God can't use is someone that quits. The only thing is that when you've done all to stand, stand, stand therefore, stand, stand, stand. so close. You're so close. 
You're so close. Feel the anointing in this place. You're so close. You're so close. That's a good place to be. But there's still something you can do. There's still a part that you play. You're a part of the process. You've done all you can naturally, I know. But you can still praise. The only reason we don't praise is because we don't feel like it. That's the only reason. I, man, I, I've seen people praise when their football team wins. They know how. It's not a know-how. It's not a knowledge thing. 
People have been praising God without rules, without songs, without screens, without bands. We've been, we, we've been praising God for a long time. He created us to do so. The only reason we don't is because we don't feel like it or we don't think it will actually accomplish anything. And I'll admit it feels a little weird to be praising God in the midst of a trial. Yeah, that's weird. Anybody would look at you on the outside and say, what on earth do you think you're doing? Because you don't jump up and shout when your team is losing. Right? We got March Madness going on right now. And if you watch people's emotions, man, it's hilarious. They're down one second. They're up the next. They're down when their team is down. And they're up when their team is up. And then they're back down when they're... What kind of life is that? Now, here's the thing. The reason why we don't praise is because we have attached our praise to our situation rather than our God. Because our God doesn't change. Kyle, our God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's already got all the victory. So we praise according to our God, not our problem. We praise according to our God, not our situation. You praise according to the one that doesn't change rather than the one that will change. Because it'll change. It'll be up tomorrow, and you'll be right back down again. But your God does it. David's voice wasn't fluctuating with Goliath because he knew who his God was. He knew who you. You come to me, you'll get you'll get so bold. But you don't get like that. Yeah, not spending time out in the field with him. That doesn't just come overnight. You don't just. I feel like taking on the devil today. I feel no. You gotta be spending some time in the presence. You've gotta be uttering some words that are contrary to your situation. Get some faith on it. Are we faith people? Are we anchored in faith? If you got faith in your heart, it should be in your mouth. Regardless, uh, we don't sing enough. We got churches trying to shorten down their worship services. You got 18 minutes. You can't go on. I will stay on this stage all day long. You go home if you got to. Ain't nobody locking the doors. We will praise. We will declare his goodness. For some of you, this is probably the only time all week long you've even declared any kind of praise. So you might as well make the most of it while you're here. You got the band, you got words, you got a sound system, you got guys controlling the volume. Here you are. Let's praise our God. It's His breath in your love. But will it stay here? Will it come out here? Well, I believe God can do it. Then you're going to say something. And you're going to give a shout when it all falls apart. The shout brings the walls down. Then it, the walls are falling. The walls are falling down. Yeah! 
they shouted when those walls were standing. The walls are in front of you and it's waiting for you to shout at it. Praise. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Declare who he is. Quit talking about your problems. Start talking about who he is. Israelites get to the promised land and they say we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. They made that up. They made that up. That was their perspective. Sometimes I wonder if it's our own perspective that's destroying us. Because if you go over to Joshua... If you go over to the book of Joshua, you'll find out that those people in the promised land, they were so scared of them, they had to build walls to make sure they couldn't get through. Maybe it's our own perspective that's keeping us from moving forward. We're just grasshoppers in their eyes, no? Actually, they are so afraid of you and they know that you're coming because they know the word of God came to Abraham and said that you guys would inherit this land again. And so they're doing the best that they can to try to keep you out. But there's a day coming where you're going to go in and you're going to take the land and there ain't no wall that's going to stand in the way. You're going to be able to just shout and the wall's coming down and they know that. And they're so fearful that they're trying to keep you out, but they can't. Wandering in circles in a wilderness when they could have been wandering in circles around Jericho. All that walking they did, loading up their Fitbit, checking their steps, they could have been tracking that on, they could have been doing that around Jericho. I wonder what you're walking around today. Are you walking around the wall or are you walking around the wilderness? I said, are you walking around the wall? Are you walking around? Just because you're moving doesn't mean you're moving forward. And just because you're going in circles, what kind of progress is this? Just walking around this building. Just walking around this this, this wall. I'm not making any progress. There's that spot again. I just passed that spot yesterday. Here we are again. Same situation. Still talking to me like they were yesterday. They don't care about anything I say. There's no promotion in this job. Why does God even have me in this thing? What am I even doing? I'm just walking around this wall. I don't even see any progress. And all of a sudden, the wall comes down. That sounds like progress to me. I said that sounds like progress to me. just got to listen to me preach to myself. But just keep walking. People ask me all the time, well, how, how long do you keep going? Till you get it. Did you have another option? Is there another alternative? 
maybe because you left the oxygen open is the reason why we haven't seen the miracle. But maybe if you were just determined, I'm just going to keep on walking until I get it and until I see it and until I set my foot on the promised land and wherever I go, the Lord will give it to me and I will prosper and I can be of good courage. I don't have to be afraid or dismayed. I can honor his word, meditate on the word day and day, during the day and at night and it will bring me great success. There is no other option. I keep going till I get it. It's the decision. But you got to get rid of the distractions. Some of y'all are trying to make decisions, but you're, it's way too cloudy. It's way too cloudy. Clear the clutter.